This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And a good morning on a kind of a cloudy Saturday start. But However, it's going to clear right up. That's what they say. Beautiful and I day. believe they. You know, <laughs> you know. Be nice to have a day without some rain. Yeah, indeed. That lovely voice you hear uh, is... Belong, well, belongs to Charlie Dobbin. And the other lovely voice. And the voice. other lovely voice belongs to me. I, <laughs> Franklin Proctor. Franklin Proctor, the sous chef of the garden. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to our callers today. And that's a reason why I'm going to give you a whole batch of phone numbers here. Uh, well, two, okay? <laughs> In Toronto, call, if you'd like to talk, uh, talk to Charlie, by all means, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. A uh, little mantra is call early. Call often, one question per call. You can always call back. And if you're a first-time caller, let Sebastian know. And uh, when you come to the air, <laughs> there you go. A little, little bell. You get the garden wings. Right. Uh, we should mention, too, that uh, if you're near your computer mm-hmm. and you turn on AM740, the, the main page there, mm-hmm. you'll see us right there. Uh, on the old... If, uh, <laughs> make sure you've had a cup of coffee yeah, that's before right. <laughs> you do anything too Ease radical. Ease your way into the day before you get startled. Okay, yeah. That's a good point. But it is interesting. Uh, you know, you hear people's voices. You have yeah. a vision of what they look like. Exactly. And then you yeah. see them go... I sound much taller. I, I, you've said that, and, and it's true. But it, you you are a very dapper dresser. I think that these, these cameras ooh, are getting to you. You're, you're really kind ooh. of taking yeah. it up a notch. How are your socks today? Do they match your shirt? Uh, no, I just kept playing old white socks oh, on because okay. I got my running shoes on. Oh, okay. Because you know, sometimes you well, I know you're, you and I are going to go for a little walk at, in High Park you know, later. Are on. we? Okay, good. Yeah. Um, hey. Okay, you got a whole batch of stuff. I got a few right? things. This Wednesday, July 12th, 7 p.m., the Scarborough Garden and Horticultural Society. Oh, my goodness. I take that back. That was last Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Don't write that down. <laughs> okay, coming up. <laughs> Here we go. Me and my great announcements. Garden Walk Buffalo. You referred to this last week. Mm -hmm. Garden Walk Buffalo hosting the largest free garden tour in the country with, believe it or not, 60,000 plus visitors coming from all over the United States, Canada, and even further abroad. It's a free, self-guided tour. There are no tickets required. There are over 400 urban gardens in beautiful historic neighborhoods in the city of Buffalo. This is Saturday and Sunday, July 29th and 30th, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. each day. It's a chance to see some of the most beautiful and creative urban gardens, of course, including things like water gardens, rock gardens, courtyards, perennial borders, cottage gardens, uh, you know, just every kind of garden possible. There are five free shuttle buses Mm. zipping around the city that will help you um, follow the orange line on the Garden Walk map. So, of course, there's a map available, Mm -hmm. and you can download that off of the web at www.gardenwalkbuffalo.com. 
All right, here's another interesting thing. Speaking of cities, City of Toronto's got a garden contest going on. So help Toronto find Toronto's beautiful gardens. So it's all about recognizing green-thumbed residents and business owners for helping to beautify the City of Toronto. Nominate your garden or a neighbor's garden or any garden within Toronto. To nominate someone, visit toronto.ca slash gardens. Mm -hmm. Fill out the nomination form, take a photo, Pick the best category and let us know the address and closest intersections. So, of course, these gardens have to be, you know, judged and viewed. Mm -hmm. Same thing's going on in Richmond Hill, actually, the town of Richmond Hill. A jury panel. Yeah, it's, you know, nominate your neighbors, nominate Mm -hmm. your own, uh, again, through the web or, you know, through a phone call. And then volunteers go out and actually look at these gardens and, you know, you get signs and bragging rights and all that important stuff. Uh, lots going on at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. Of course, full swing summer activities non-stop, mm-hmm. whether it's farmer's markets or and live really music. it does pay to be a member there, doesn't it? I mean, oh, it really, does. Gosh. They've got so many neat seminars going on and specialty events, and members are always cheaper. Mm-hmm. You also get discounts at the gift store, gift shop. You get free admission to botanical gardens all over the world with your Toronto Botanical Garden membership. So I couldn't list everything. Just no... And bookmark torontobotanicalgarden.ca to see what's going on. Okay, we're going to come to a skid right to a halt there for a moment. All right. We have a few words to get to the folks uh, who bring us to you. Uh, and then uh, we're bring coming back. Bring us to you. Josephine. Bring us. Oh, to you as <laughs> into our listeners. That's right. Oh, sorry. Yes. Uh, Pickering. <laughs> me. Who's, who's out there? Josephine. <laughs> Josephine. Of course. <laughs> we're going to be favorite. talking to her first off the bat right after these words here on Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, let's say hi once again to Josephine out there in Pickering. Welcome to the show again. Good morning, Frank and Charlie. Good morning. Not too bad. Frank, you goofed. (laughs) I goofed? Yeah. What? I think Nathaniel would be upset with you. What? Well, Sebastian's not there today. Oh, yeah, actually, oh, yeah. He's he is. Hiding oh, in the he corner. Is. He's hiding, he is. is he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's taking a rest. Okay. Th- exactly. A well right, deserved then. rest. You didn't goof. <laughs> okay. What I'm calling about, Charlie, is my roses. Mm-hmm. That damn black spot on the roses. Mm. All the leaves have fallen off. Yuck. Yep. Now, can I cut them back or will I leave them? Okay, so. The uh, stems if- are still green. Yep. So you know what you do right now? Make sure you've picked up all those leaves that fell off. Oh, I picked them all up and put them into a container and threw them out. Okay, good. Because that's part of trying to avoid more black spot problems is get rid of the infection, the site of the infection. Right. Uh, All right. So can you cut them back? I would not do any radical cutting back at this time if you want to just tip, like prune the tips. Um, When you look at those green stems, you're going to see some bumps along the stems. Right. And And those are the new... uh Growth. That's right. At each of those bumps, there's a bud. Right. And the bud will grow if it's forced to grow. So right now it's a dormant bud. So okay, if, then. So you could take your sharp pruners. Right. You follow down the stem until you find a bump that's facing to the outside of the plant. Okay. So that the, for the growth that you're going to force out will grow to the outside rather than the inside. Right. That helps with air circulation, sun penetration, and will lower the incidence of more black spot. You can also, when you see those black spots on your roses, you, you can never 
eradicate a fungal disease, but you can control it. And, and how do you control it with, otherwise? With a fungicide. And you will find at a good garden center, at, a, at any of the home stores. Maybe at Canadian Tired? Yep, they'll have, and it'll just say right on it, um, garden fungicide. Typically, it'll be a sulfur-based product. Okay. And you'll read very thoroughly when to use it, how to use it. And the idea is you try and prevent fungal problems with this moisture and humidity, no question. There's tons of fungus growing out there this year. Very mildewy. getting it. Yeah, kind of year. So yeah. so get a hold of some of that uh, so that you can be uh, preemptive with these rose bushes for okay, the rest then. of this year and next year. Okay, what's your uh, computer address? My email? Yeah. Frank, yeah, Frank knows that, it better okay. than I do. You've got a piece of paper and pencil going I've got there? It, oh, Andy. Okay, Josephine, here you go. C. Yeah. Dobbin, that's D O B B I N, at M Z Media. At M Media.com. Media.com. Now, are those in caps? No, it's all, no. all lowercase. Yes, all, yep. Probably doesn't matter, actually. Okay. Okay. Have a good weekend. All right. Thanks, Same Josephine. Josephine. Happy gardening. Hey, you too. <laughs> Today's going to be a great day yeah, to be out in the garden. I bet it will be. And have we got weeds to pull? Oh, Lord. <laughs> Inundated with weeds. My lawn. I'm out there pulling little weeds out of the lawn. It's I'm like... holding this up to the camera because uh, that should be a good shot there of uh, my little... It's a Salvation Army bell. It really is. It really is. Yeah. yeah. That, and that is for Ron in Burlington. Good morning, Ron. Welcome to the show, First Time Caller. Hi, guys. Good uh, morning. I, I'm just wondering if it's a good time to transplant ferns. Not really. Uh, tr- it's, um, July is kind of what we would consider the dog days of summer. Right. And th- normally it's dry, it's hot, it's a stressful time for plants. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, this year has been cool and wet. So right. theoretically, you could transplant them. It's, it, they're likely to survive. But generally speaking, no, July would not be an optimal. You'd be better to wait till yeah, August when things have cooled down a tiny bit or early September. But if you need to, because, you know, construction or whatever's right. going on, or they're just taking over mm-hmm. a certain area, you know, you can. Just try and hold as much soil around the root ball as you can, so that when you lift and replant, they don't even know they've moved. Right. Okay. I guess I have the weather being a little unusual. Yeah. But it might be a, a, a half-decent time rather than not real hot weather. That's right. So I, I, it's strange but true. This year you probably could get away with transplanting ferns. And I'm just trying to think, it would have been maybe two and a half weeks ago I did just that. I was uh-huh. transplanting hostas and ferns and all kinds of things. And, right. you know, that's right at the end of June. And it's still kind of early summer at that point. Now we're well into midsummer, really. Yeah. So anything to be added to the soil before? No, just do a thorough watering after you've transplanted, even though the soil will be moist, and right. of course, it might be raining when you're doing it. Still, water anyway. Okay, thank okay. you very much. Thank you. Thanks for calling. And don't be a stranger. Ron, come on back and talk to us anytime, okay? Now, we uh, are going to go to Hamilton for a, a chat with Connie in just a moment. First, I better remind you where you're tuned to. Yeah, the Garden Show on Zuma Radio <laughs> AM 740, know. 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. 
exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And I'll tell you, folks, if you uh, had occasion to come down to the station today here in uh, Liberty Village, you Bring would be inundated with plugs. sound. Oh, you're, yeah. <laughs> Man, the uh, Honda Indy is on, and is it loud? I yeah. think a lot of those Indy drivers were maybe late getting down this morning, and they were racing down the Don Valley Parkway <laughs> this morning. Yeah, could, could well I, be. I could not believe how fast people were driving. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, well, I was breaking the speed limit, doing my usual Indy drive, yeah. and people were zipping, zipping past by you. me. Yeah. It, was, it was not. Yeah. And they're bi- anyway, it's all bit all dangerous. All right, let's jump on the QEW. Get over to Hamilton there and say oh, hi okay. to Connie. Good morning, Connie. Good morning. Love your show. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. I have a grass que- question. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed two areas of my in my grass where it looks like it's going thatchy, just out of the blue, just after a cut, maybe a couple of days later. I just noticed like what looked like these dry thatchy area, sometimes similar to what you would find after you take, remove your snow in the early mm-hmm. spring. Mm-hmm. And then I, and I also have, had put new sod in in one section of the yard, so I'm talking about two situations here, two types of grass, mm-hmm. and I saw it also in the newer section, and I just thought it was maybe from an animal, because I do have raccoons and such in my yard from mm-hmm. time to time. But this other area that I t- first talked to you about, it's sort of circular, and I don't know, would that be some kind of infestation? Mm, could be. Uh, what would you, like, I didn't know whether to rake it up or... Just well, to... <clears throat> all right, so these are great questions. What, I have one question. Why did you put new sod down? Well, I had a, a new fencing that I had to put in, so I had a, a perimeter that got exposed and and dug up that type of thing. Okay. No, I just wondered if perhaps the turf had died in the past because when it comes to grubs and grub damage, um, it all starts with the little June beetles or European chafers, bottom line, these kind of good-sized beetles laying eggs in the turf, and mm-hmm. they will do it in the same place year after year. So I just wondered if you'd lost no, the lawn I don't in the past. A situation like that, I treat for grub. Do you? Oh, good. So yeah. you use the the famous nematodes that Frank is our, an expert on. <laughs> I, I'm the, the only thing I'm an expert on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so treating yeah. for grubs is something that we are going to be doing in the next few weeks. So mm-hmm. certainly start keeping yeah. your eyes peeled in your garden centers for nice, fresh, refrigerated nematode eggs mm-hmm. uh, under the name Lawn Guardian. I believe is one of the the brands out there. Following, again, the instructions thoroughly. If you're worried about that yellow patch in the new sod, two things you can do. One is, um, do you have a dog by any chance? No, okay. I don't. Or is it, like, is it possible that is a dog had access? Because female dogs, often where they pee, you will see a yellow patch from the ammonia in the urine. Uh, no, I can't say that it's caused by that. I thought maybe maybe the raccoon might have caused that. Is that no, possible? raccoons no? dig up our lawns to get the, the, get the insects yeah. from below. Squ- uh, skunks mm. do the same thing. So well, you know what you do? Give okay. a little tough uh, tug on those yellow blades of grass. Right. If they come right up with no roots attached, right. then we are very suspicious that obviously something's chewing the roots. So right. get right on to that nematode uh, prevention. Okay. Uh, sorry, grub prevention with the nematodes. Okay. So th- and do exactly as you sa- suggested. Should you rake it out? Yes, rake out dead stuff. And that okay. same answer goes back to that thatchy area you're referring to. Get out okay, your, now, your so rake. If I rake out, can I put um, soil down and seed? 
Yes, you can. Um, okay. Normally, just similar to our last caller, we wouldn't think about growing grass seed in July because it's usually super hot know, and dry. Yeah. But it's been certainly moist yeah. and cool. So oh. you could put down, you know, top dress and overseed mm-hmm. now in July, but that's very unusual. We normally don't do that. That's more of a spring-fall activity uh, mm-hmm. to, for your best chance of success. Fall is optimal for growing grass seed but the thatch yeah rake it out just make sure that there's some aeration you're getting the the moisture's got to penetrate through to the soil the fertilizer when you put it down all of that and so that's what thatch prevents it it prevents any penetration because of the blanket that uh it becomes i have one other question about this if i'm sorry connie 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 Connie, (laughs) connie i'm sorry love uh we have to kind of hold it there uh try to spread our time to you can always call back okay okay but one question per call we have to kind of hold firm on that one uh but thank you so much yeah do call back um yeah thanks connie um patrolman proctor yeah okay yeah thanks guys okay you're welcome you're welcome bye Sorry to have to do that, but otherwise uh, the calls get rather extended and the folks are waiting in the line going, well, in this particular case here we've got, uh, I think this is a first-time situation. That is for uh, Dominic and Marie who are listening from their car as they're traveling from one point to another. (laughs) Let's find out where the heck they are. Hello, Dominic and Marie. Hi. Good morning. Well, good morning, Dominic. <laughs> so, where where are you guys? Where where are you? We're, we're on our way to a market, uh, Western Road in Lawrence. Oh yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, what what we'd like to talk to Charlie about is we we plant kale every year, mm-hmm. and our kale this year has been is been eaten by some kind of a bug. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it just goes to town on the kale. I know, I, I know the feeling. It so, have you seen any evidence of any bugs at all? No. Okay. We, we look and we don't see anything. Okay, so... You know, and uh, this is in last year. We had a terrific, uh, uh, an ab- a terrific abundance yeah, of... Yeah. And we had uh, we picked it even in November. Wow, yeah, it's true. Kale's pretty frost-hardy. So, I'll tell you something. When you see chunks missing out of your plants out of the leaves particularly but you look closely and you don't see any insects that's always a very good indication that the chewing the eating is going on at night when you're not out there looking Uh so who eats at night there are three culprits that come to mind number one are earwigs number two are slugs and number three are snails Oh. All three of those, of which there is an overabundance this year Due with the, the wet moisture yeah. in the uh, humidity, etc. Uh, they are all nocturnal uh, insects that are mollusks that have a grand old time chowing down in our gardens and then disappear as the sun comes up. So... You can get a hold of something called slug and snail bait, just little pellets uh, that are completely non-toxic to everything except the mollusks. And as they dissolve, they will actually fertilize your plants. So slug and snail bait sprinkled around your kale if it's slugs and snails that are causing the problem. If it's earwigs, your best method of controlling them is trapping them. And the traps are usually just little empty pieces of hose or bamboo so that they can hide in 
there. As soon as the sun comes up, they go for, for shelter. They want to be in the dark. And uh, your job will be to empty those little hotels that you're setting up for them every day at some point during daylight hours. You'll, you'll lower the population of earwigs. You'll never get rid of them all, but you can certainly lower the population. Right. All right. right. Yeah. Well, but thanks, for, uh, Charlie. We'll do our best with that. But what we have, we have lots of other vegetables around it, mm-hmm. but that's the only thing they attack. I know. Well, well yeah. they're pretty selective, some of these uh, these guys. they, uh, You know, unless you're worried it's rabbits or something, but rabbits will chew right down to the ground. So insects... No, you know what? We, well, we put a fence around it. Okay. A little chicken fence. Mm-hmm. And that keeps yeah, so out any of the varmint. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you so can just keep out the earwigs. Some kind of bug. Yeah, it is likely. And, and honestly, I've been out a couple of times these last few weeks taking some photographs of just the snails and the slugs. I mean, they're just, just partying. Yeah. There's hordes of them in my yard. I, I have right. ant traps sitting outside, and the ant traps are covered in slugs. Wow. Like just, just like Ooh. a mass of yeah, yeah, shiny, Yuck. mucusy, yucky slugs <laughs> all over the ant traps. So yeah, they're everywhere. It's not a nice hey, year. Dominic and Marie, thank you very much for taking us along for your ride today, at least part part of the way. Have fun at the market. And have fun at the market. Join us again anytime here on the Garden Show from Zuma Radio, okay? Hey, out in Caledonia, there is Mabel. Good morning, Mabel. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. It's a beautiful sunny morning. Oh, really? Well, good to know. It's coming. Those clouds have... Yeah, they're they're blowing out here too eventually. (laughs) Well, the sun's shining here and hopefully it'll stay for a while. Oh yeah, I think the whole day. Yes. My question is, I have three clematis Mm -hmm. uh, planted on a tripod. Mm -hmm. Two are doing just fine and the leaves are all turning brown, sort of a silvery brown Mm -hmm. on, uh, on one. And I'm wondering what I should spray it with. Well, and the leaves that are turning brown, they're kind of, they, first they go kind of limp. Yeah. Yeah. So you have something in there, it's in your soil, it's called, it's called clematis wilt, and it is a bacteria, and it has entered the plant through a wound in the stem from the soil. So... What you can do now, if you want, is you can very, very carefully, I mean, they're all growing together, so that's why it's always, you want to be very gentle when you do this. Go in there with your pruners. You can prune out any of the wilted stems, being careful to not damage the non-wilted stems, and, you know, just enjoy the two clematis. The The one that's showing this wilt is, is not going to die as a result. It's just going to look not good this year next year it'll come up it'll be fine in the spring when you're trimming down the clematis of course you want to be super careful because they're very very brittle those stems particularly right down at ground level any little movement and the they will crack and and open so i try to when i am trimming my clematis in the spring i try to just kind of go through give a haircut to all of them about yeah foot off the ground and be very gentle to to not move anything below that you know from the ground up to that foot to avoid any cracking or opening of wounds of any kind. And remember as well, um, top dress with some good organic material, either this fall or next spring around the clematis, just to encourage them to be healthy and, you know, bountiful, et cetera, et cetera. But for now, it's just really trimming out what the damage that you're seeing. So there isn't a spray or anything. It's just... uh it out That's right. Yeah, there's no solution to this problem because, like I said, it's it's a bacteria in the soil. Okay. 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 That's great. 
Thank you, Mabel. Thank you very much, and you uh, have a good day. Thank, thank you. you very much. Enjoy well, your sunshine, and we're looking forward to it, too. Yeah, loan us a little bit of that, will you? <laughs> yeah. Um, gee, uh, just a note to Connie from mm. Hamilton. The patrolman Proctor had to kind of pull her over there momentarily, almost gave a ticket. But <laughs> this would be a delightful time and a good time yeah. for you to call back in. we got a couple of lines free, Connie. So, phone numbers once again, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, it's toll-free, one 866-740-4740. Line up to talk to Charlie Dobbin, our resident expert on, well, just a lot of things. I mean, gosh, I don't, yeah, exactly. I, I, can't, I, wouldn't I can't wait never to talk admit. to you about what, what's coming up for you next. You're not going to be here next weekend. That's right. Uh, and But we'll, before the end of the show, we'll let everybody know. I think it's kind of a riot what you're going to be doing. Really? Yeah, I do. I will report back. All right, all right. There's John in Mississauga. Good morning, John. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. Uh, last Saturday, I heard you um, uh, regarding, actually, he's my neighbor across the street. I told him to email you, um, uh, Miran uh, Fugash. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when I went there, Charlie, I tell, I, I, I've been, in, you, know, you know, I've been growing fruities or whatever. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, but, the cherry. Um, okay, that's, that's, <laughs> I know what, what's the situation. I know what you told him. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, uh, so my pear, my pear has, uh, you know, you know how the leaves have the insects. Uh-huh. Um, to be honest, I don't want to wait till till the fall or, or the spring to do the lime sulfur and dormant oil. Is there anything we can do now? Oh, okay, but wait—is it bugs on your pears? It's on the leaves. You yeah, know how yeah. the leaves, you know, start getting those uh, spots. Okay, but are the spots like fungal spots, little black spots, yellow yeah, spots? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, because I mean, that's we love. Or I know you particularly love your fruit trees. Mm-hmm. But remember, tasty, tasty plants like fruit trees have lots of sugar inside them. So insects and diseases really, really love going after fruit trees. Mm-hmm. So if do you have do you have that dormant spray kit on hand as we're oh, yeah, speaking? Oh yeah, right. I have a still I have a couple. Good. You know, I, I always sort of yeah. Yeah. That's good because they're not dated. They don't go bad or anything. Just no. keep them from freezing. So if you look at the package, particularly of lime sulfur, it will tell you a summer a solution. Okay. So, um, so we always think of dormant kits to be used during the dormant season. So that would be early spring, late fall, yeah. no leaves. And there are instructions for that, mixing yeah. the two liquids together with water. But there is also a summer spray with the lime sulfur, not the oil. Okay, so, and that, so, so in other words, we can use the sulfur now, Charlie, maybe? You, you can. I sprayed, um, I sprayed with, uh, with Bordeaux, okay. um, I, I don't know, maybe 12 days ago or okay, so. Okay, that's fine. Um, but I don't know if Bordeaux will do anything for, for the leaves. Oh, um, yeah. No, Bordeaux is a great fung- fungicide. It's the original fungicide, actually. Uh-huh. So that's a copper sulfate yeah, mixture yeah. versus the lime sulfur. So you bo- both have the sulfur in common. Okay. Uh, the difference, of course, being the lime and the copper as the, the carrier of the sulfur. So good idea. I, like I like what you're thinking there, that you want to use different chemicals when you're trying to control problems to avoid breeding for resistance. So mm-hmm. excellent to change up your sprays. Always leave at least two weeks between sprays. Okay. Watch the weather. Don't spray right before it rains because you're kind of wasting your time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, and read very thoroughly the instructions. Like I said, the lime sulfur will have summer, um, like how much to dilute for a summer spray on the bottle. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and thorough, year, thorough spray. I sprayed twice, actually. I, I remember, you know, in the past you told me, you know, I sprayed way, way probably at the end of March. Mm-hmm. And then before 
you know, when I saw a little bit butt coming out. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I mean, the apples and, 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 and the peaches, and again, that's not, the, the, you know, they are fine. So yeah, Good. But... Um, but so I'll, I'll do that. I'll, I'll look at the sulfur and, and, I'll, yeah. and I'll spray, like I said, either with, with the copper or with the... Yeah. Uh, with the uh, well, a great idea to change yeah. it up. So since you've used the copper sulfate or the Bordeaux mixture, use the lime sulfur next time. And, uh-huh. John, it's a very challenging year for yeah, yeah, fruits yeah. and vegetables. Well, but I, I like a challenge. <laughs> I, like I know challenge. you do. Why, you know, I mean, I, when I'm outside with the fruit trees, that's, I'm in heaven. I know. You, you and your trees are best friends. Good for you, John. But Thank it's, you very much. You're welcome. But just so, Bye, Frank. Bye. Bye-bye, John. Bye, John. Bye, John. Bye. You Every, take care, my friend. And everybody, just remember, you know, like I mentioned, this is the year there's fungal diseases everywhere, yeah. and we don't have fungicides that can eradicate the fungal disease. Right. All we have are fungicides that can control the spread or, in a better case, prevent the infection originally, which is why John is referring to having sprayed in the past, right. which is smart. Yeah. Yep. I'm glad we have, we have to take a little bit of a break right now because it's going to give us a chance, or you particularly, Charlie, since you've got control of the monitor here, of uh, sourcing out where exactly is Blaisdell, New York. Oh, yeah. That's where Tim's calling from. We're I like the talk. name. Yeah, isn't that Blaisdell. We're going to talk to Tim in just a moment here on Zuma Radio, The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, let's say good morning and welcome here uh, with the uh, first-time caller, Bell. That's for Tim. In Is it pronounced Blaisdell, New York, uh, Tim? It's pronounced Blaisdell, Frank. Oh, All right. nice. B- welcome. B-L-A-S. Yeah, good morning, yeah. Charlie. Good morning, Frank. How are you? Very Excellent. well. And you? I'm doing well. Thank you. <laughs> That's yeah, we're great. just a little slow on Lee Geary. Yeah, we looked. You're just uh, you're, south of Buffalo, it looks like. When the last census was taken in 2010, yeah, 2,553. Charlie, I have a question to ask you, and hopefully it can help me. Um, about four years ago, I decided to uh, redo the um, uh, front landscaping uh, of my house, front mm-hmm. porch, and uh, I put some ornamental grasses out there, and then somebody mentioned about uh, butterfly bush, and mm-hmm. uh, I went to a local nurser and uh got them and uh they they did well after the first year but the last two years and and i can blame a lot on the weather because Mm -hmm. last year we had the drought and this year we've had an excessive amount of uh, (laughs) moisture Mm -hmm. i would say half of the blooms you know come out Mm -hmm. uh purple Mm -hmm. and they look lovely but the other half of the um uh flowers seem to just kind of die on the stem Mm -hmm. And I just, uh, I, I give them a shot of miracle Grow in the spring, okay. uh, cut them back in the spring. I Good. I go during the winter, but cut them back in yeah, the spring. That's correct. And they, they look lush. I mean, they do exactly what they're supposed to do, and they're about three foot high. But I'm just perplexed by the last two years that hmm. um, half of them that come out in bloom. Yeah, that's all. And the other half look like they die on the stem. How much sun are they in? Do you know, Tim? How many hours? Oh, full sun. Oh, okay. uh, The hmm. gentleman next door had uh, four ash trees taken out last year because oh, of the war, so I'm, right. I'm getting an excessive amount of <laughs> mid to late afternoon, early evening sun, hmm. uh, a lot more than I did um, prior. Yeah, because they do like a sunny location for sure. Um, hmm. 
there's nothing really obvious coming to mind why that would happen. And what you've done is the right thing, that cutting down in the spring, it, it definitely remove all dead wood in the spring, allowing the new green to, to grow up. Sometimes after a cold winter, I cut my butterfly bushes right down to the ground because everything above ground is dead, but it grows up from the root. This year, it was such a mild winter. This year, I hardly cut my, there was hardly any dead wood at all. So my butterfly bush is probably six feet tall now and hasn't started blooming yet. It's just going Hmm. to. Well, these are are coming along, but again, I see the same thing happening, Hmm. Um, you know, where the, um, the flowers are starting to come out. Yeah, um, and they shrivel. On half of them, but the other ones look like they're 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 not going to make it. Hmm. And I talked to the nurser where I bought them yeah. from, and they they were both they were perplexed, <laughs> and they said the same thing about uh, whether it's getting enough sun. And I said yes, much more now that the trees next door are down, yeah. and uh, the one shot of miracle grow. And now, would you say it's best to? Cut them back in the spring, or should I do it in the uh, late fall before winter sets in? No, I would do it in the spring. Leave them alone for the, the winter, and, and you're the cutting you do in the spring, you will do uh, re- to remove the dead. So depending okay. on how much is dead, you know, like I said, could be dead to the ground, could be dead, you know, the top two feet dead and the bottom foot all gr- starting to push new growth. So we wait until we can see the new growth coming out on the butterfly bush. So we can always wait on the, the butterfly bushes. So, you know what? Leave that with me. I'm going to, Tim, see if I can find out anything else about why that might be happening. Um, don't be doing any more fertilizing now. Uh, oh, no. Because no. we're... That one shot in the spring. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, and are they really crowded together? Is there anything going on in terms of maybe you know too much dense? Oh, plenty of space. I give okay. them. I give them plenty of space. The right. ornamental grasses I have are on uh, opposing sides of the porch, yes. and uh, no, it's got plenty of space, and they're they're spread out nice. And like I say, they probably are no higher than three foot. And I put fresh soil on the bottom, a little bit of mulch, and uh, very careful how I cut the grass, the, the mm-hmm. lawn around them. Good. But hmm. it just is, uh, it's perplexed me, and the fella at the nursery said, um, asked me the same thing, whether I cut them down in the winter or late fall, or if I do it in the spring yeah, yeah. after uh, St. Patrick's Day. Okay. And uh, he he said, well, try something different. I'm going to uh, do what you say yeah. and wait until the spring next year. Okay, and the only okay. other thing I would just say, uh, just before you go, Tim, is when the flowers are finished and they start to go all kind of brown and crispy, we prune them out and then that provide, causes more flowers to form. So if you see those those dead ones are clearly dead, they're very much wilted and or, or just not going to do anything, consider pruning those out now, just the flowers, and see if new flowers will get pushed out on the side shoots and they will open and bloom. And meanwhile, I'll see if I can come up with any reason why any of this might be happening. Okay. Thanks for the Thanks call, for the Tim. Call. And, uh, yeah, delighted to have you Don't on the show. Don't be a stranger. Morning. On Highway 62, just a little south of Buffalo there. And uh, <laughs> we're going to be along to have a word with uh, Marge, first-time caller, in just a moment here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Charlie, uh, might I say you're doing a super job. You now have the uh, responsibility of turning on and off the mics. I'm just all flutter here with my (laughs) befuddlement. Well, hey, look at this. That's my little bell there for and Marge your arms and Mrs. Saga. No <laughs> Hi, Marge. Good morning. Oh, I'm 
I'm so glad I got through. Yes, indeed. How Welcome, are you, Charlie. I'm well. You? Good, thanks. Yeah. Uh, I have a yellow rose tree. Mm-hmm. Every Mother's Day, my daughter gives me some variation of roses for my patio. Mm-hmm. It's a container planting because I'm in a condo. Mm-hmm. Last year, she gave me a rose bush, and I tried to winter it in the mm. storeroom. Of course, when I brought it out, it did nothing. Now, this mm. rose tree is absolutely beautiful. It keeps mm. blooming and blooming, mm. and I'd like to know if I can winter it somehow. Hmm. Are they little tiny roses, or are they full-sized roses, the, the blooms? Uh, they're good-sized roses, yes. Hmm. And is there a name attached to that rose? Oh, gosh, I threw it out on Mother's Day. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Does your daughter have a garden where she could overwinter it? Oh, yes, yes. Because uh-huh. the, the reason why is, as you notice, you didn't have good success overwintering the rose in the storeroom because it's dry and it's warm and it's not a nice place for plants and it's all concrete and it's not, you know, it's not nice. Exactly. The plant, the rose plant wants to be outside for the winter. However, sitting in a pot on your condo balcony, it's likely to die because it's so cold above ground. Okay. If in the fall, it might be October or November, your daughter could transport that rose to her place. And then if she's got a garden, open bit of you know uh, garden somewhere, she could take the, the pot and bury the pot into the Everything. down underground. Yeah. Actually, optimally, you would lie the whole thing down and you would bury the, the, the head of the tree, the rose tree, and the roots of the tree really? in a trench. Sideways. Yeah, in a really? trench for the winter. And the reason why is because that rose has been grafted onto the stem. So you've got a rose stem and then you've got a rose bush grafted on the top. Oh. And it's at the, that graft up in the sky there, you know, two or three yeah. feet tall, that is um, most susceptible to like dying and breaking and not surviving the winter. So to truly, you know, 100% guarantee survival, a trench, lay the whole thing down, fill in the soil, stake where this has happened, pray for snow, come spring, dig the whole thing up, hose it all down, get it back out onto your balcony. It'll be so happy. It'll survive no problem. Oh, wow. that sounds wonderful. Now, would you dig that little trench very deep? No, you just got to get it below, below the surface and, you know, so soil goes over top. And like I said, pray for snow because snow is your, that wonderful little insulating blanket. So that sounds great. Leaves on I've top. I've never heard that before either. Mark. Oh yeah, yeah no, that's, it's interesting that's how you can you can make anything survive if you can just like you know yeah, Stephen yeah. Biggs and his figs. He can he does all <laughs> kinds of things to keep him to, out for the winter. I was wondering if I could kind of insulate the pot somehow and leave it outside. I doubt it. In Mississauga, it's, you know what? You never know. If we had a mild winter, it might work. But if it's a cold winter, it won't. So for hundred percent, you know, guaranteed survival, get it to your daughters. Get it underground. But yes, indeed, sometimes wrapping in blankets and burlap and all that kind of thing can can cause the plants to survive if it's mild. You know what? I, I want you to make a little note, Marge, to call us yeah. next spring yeah. and, and Let say, us know. hey, it came through. The winter I'll okay. That. All right. Okay. That's because, great. Well, I'm sure it could be a bit challenging to yeah. transport a rose tree. Yeah. So, yeah. You betcha. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Good luck with that, Marge. Thanks for your call. <laughs> Thank you, my love. Uh, we have one caller that I want to get to here. Oh, in tobacco country. It used to be, anyway. It used to be, yeah. Yeah. Tilsonburg. There's Warner. Good morning, Warner. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. Charlie Frank. I've planted some garlic. I harvest it, mm-hmm. and I hang it up to dry. Yep. Now, how long do I try it? Oh, 10 days or so if you've got it in a place where there's good air circulation and it's not in sunlight. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so then that, that one I don't write. Chow down. <laughs> now, how do I preserve that? That I have some garlic left on uh, Christmas. Do I uh, cut the stems right off? When yeah. Dry? Yeah. Well, I, yes, you should just still store easier without all those stems attached once they're all dried down. And the main thing is keep it. In a, like paper bags, perhaps. So you, again, you've got that air circulation, uh, and it's you know n- not a sunny location. Otherwise, they'll tend to shrivel up. And yep. but whatever you do, do not refrigerate your garlic. Okay. Uh, however, cooler is better. So you know, not less than ten degrees. So you know, anywhere between ten and fifteen degrees Celsius is optimal for storage. Okay. All, All right. right. You answered my question. Wonderful. Thank you for calling. Thanks for Warner. calling. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Enjoy your garlic. (laughs) Thank you very much. I haven't harvested my garlic yet. I, oh, is that right? No, it's yeah. still pretty green. And you know me. I'm going to steal some of that stuff. <laughs> my spaghetti and you garlic and, and butter sauce. Oh, I, I my know. Lord. Uh, okay, there, just a smidge of time left for us to have a little Catch chat Catch up on what's going well, on. Yeah, now you've got a very... Int- now, you're not going to be here next weekend. That's correct. Next Saturday. I, but you are going to be somewhere else. I think it's going to be a ton of fun you're going to have. Well, I am flying up to Whitehorse yeah. in the Yukon Territory on Wednesday. I am going to visit friends, mm-hmm. and my friend's daughter is getting married and the uh, it's quite cute because these are these are Yukon people the children both the bride and groom are born and raised in in the Yukon so they've got lots of friends obviously right and they didn't want to have like a traditional wedding in the in the, the legion or whatever, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. so what they've done is they've booked the park in Atlin, British Columbia so that's about 2 hours south of Whitehorse just over the the border yeah. into BC and they've taken over the park and uh, the wedding will be in the park. And um, when I said to my friend, you know, it's, it's weather's looking a little touch and go. Uh, should I be thinking long underwear underneath my, my you <laughs> yeah, know, evening yeah. gown? She said, oh, no, 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 no. I've got tents. I've got heaters. I've got it covered. Very sophisticated lady uh, here. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So don't you be wearing any long underwear to my, my daughter's wedding, she I, said. I can just picture you, Charlie, <laughs> in your high heels sinking into the muskeg. No, <laughs> I don't do high heels. And there's no muskeg there either. But it's a really beautiful part of the country. It's so gorgeous. I haven't been back in like 30-odd years. So I'm really, really looking forward to going back. And I'm going to visit some farms while I'm up there. Oh, Because there's quite a lot of agriculture Mm -hmm. in the Yukon to support the local population. So I'm going to be bringing back some photos and maybe some audio clips. And maybe we'll do some interviews with some of the the Yukon uh, farmers uh, moving forward. That would be special. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because you just don't think of it. Who thinks about growing in the the Yukon? But it's quite amazing. Long days, what you can grow. Oh, I'll bet you. Yeah. Because remember, you know sun is setting here at like 9 p.m. Mm. It's setting at like 11 p.m. up there. So we've got look, long days where I'm going. It's going to be got a it. lot of fun. Well, Mosquitoes are big enough to carry you away, though. Man, yeah. Take a, they come uh, in like helicopters. Badminton racket <laughs> for those guys. Gee, Charlie, uh, I wish you all the best up there. Thank and, you. And, uh, Good have, luck. Have a wonderful time. Good luck with Dennis. Well, yeah, Dennis. Uh, Your buddy, Flanagan Dennis. will be in here. And my golfing My buddy. Yes. <laughs> Your friend and mine, Dennis Flanagan, will be here. Yeah. He is uh, works for Landscape Ontario, longtime horticulturalist, landscape designer. He and I did a TV show for five seasons together, so we go back a long ways. A special thanks to Nathaniel, who has been being trained uh, on the controls and here. And doing a, a fine spectacular job. Spectacular job with the help of Sebastian. Yep. So yep. thank you, guys. Yeah, uh, both of you. It. And thank you, Frank. This is... 
we're learning. We've got new things going on here. Yeah. We're looking at each other doing the show instead of sitting shoulder side to shoulder. Side. It's safer for me. She can't hit me. So I was going to say, I do like to poke <laughs> you, and this is art. So thanks, everybody. See you again, not next week, but the week after. You got it. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.